When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello Bulls fans and welcome to the CHGO Bulls podcast presented to you by our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook. Download the app and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. I am Mark K from Australia and joining me as always is the one, the only, the GOAT, William Gottlieb. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good, Mark. How are you doing? Um, I'm doing well, mate. I'm doing well. Uh, I guess I should have said well. Well is the grammatically correct thing to say i'm well mark but then i sound too much like kevin arnovitz on zach lowe's podcast which i don't love that's not a bad thing because he's my favorite guest on that low post uh, podcast so he hasn't been on for a while i feel that's hopefully that's the thing they correct in the future but uh, i'm glad you're well hopefully everyone listening in as well and hopefully they've enjoyed their thanks thanksgiving break uh yeah, William, what, what have you got plans for yours? What have you had planned for yours? What does this mean for America more generally? Like, obviously, for those picking up, um, or if you haven't been aware, this is not an American accent talking to you right now. <laughs> so it's not like I necessarily celebrate Thanksgiving myself. So I don't know a ton about it, to be honest with you, apart from the fact that it's an opportunity for families of all, of all, um, of all dominions across the, the U.S. to get together to celebrate. And to enjoy some time with family. That's my understanding of the whole thing. I don't know anything more about that. But uh, yeah, how's it been for you? I think you uh, you mm. have all the major details down. I would say it's a reflection of American culture in a lot of ways. Uh, you eat a shit ton of food and you watch football and you hang out with your family. And it sounds kind of, you know, whatever. But it's actually a great day. One of my favorite holidays. Um, yeah, I'm spending with some family and uh, we're going to hang out and, and do what I just mentioned, all the above. So what is there like an Australian version? Um, I don't know. If you have to think about it, the answer is probably no. Well, I mean, I'm not really a holiday type of person more generally. So um, I don't have a lot of cheer in me in that sense. Well, I'm not a very yeah, you've, jolly you've got no, The only thing you cheer for is Patrick Williams to get benched. Wow. Jeez, coming in strong. Well, I mean... We're, today we're going to talk about things that we are thankful for. Obviously, we're in the spirit of, of saying thanks and those sorts of things. And um, look, I wasn't going to say anything negative about Patrick Williams on this podcast, but given that you've uh, suggested that I would, I'm, I, I'm actually quite offended. I'm not very thankful of that comment, to be honest with you. <laughs> That's fair enough. I was, it was a low blow. Unnecessary, <laughs> no, un- unnecessary roughness. No, no. <laughs> that, that was a football reference, yeah? I got yeah. that. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Thanks, look, baby. <laughs> Go Barry. Well, I, look, I refer to it just then, but I mean, we're, obviously it's Thanksgiving. We're going to tie this back. And it's just an opportunity, I guess, for us to maybe take a step back from this ball season for the moment and just, I guess, just to get some perspective on how things have gone um, over the first month or so of the season. But um, given that is the, the time for thanks, uh, certainly in, in the US at least, I, that's what I wanted to spend the today talking about, like things from this season or maybe more generally, historically for the Bulls, things we're thankful for when being fans of this fan base. And obviously, we can take this in a, a myriad of different ways. Um, you know, we've, we've jotted down a few different things. I've tried to keep them as close to as possible as this season uh, for the first half of this podcast, or maybe the first two-thirds of this podcast, where we round out with um, a little bit more of a broader view in that sense. But um, yeah, I just wanted to be thankful, William. Um, but first, I, I get. Let, let me start. Let me start to, to to really sit the table here. Like thinking about this Bulls season thus far, obviously things aren't haven't gone exactly to plan. The team has a losing record. Hasn't um, that magic loss is still still uh, eating away at me to a degree? But nonetheless, still, still got that taste in your mouth. Still got that taste in my mouth. Even after all the food that we've consumed over Thanksgiving, not that I have, but I'm pretending I am. Like. I've still got that taste in my mouth, but nonetheless, I think what's making or what's helping me get through all this is the fact that the Bulls have had a difficult schedule to start this season. I think we kind of lose sight of that to some degree. And I am thankful that this is happening now 
that the Bulls are facing their difficult schedule now rather than, you know, in February, March, April, or whatever it may be, where you have less of an opportunity to pivot. And look, I sort of had this view coming into the season as well. Like I was thankful that if, if at any point you were going to have an injury to Lonzo Ball, like if that was something that you just couldn't escape, I'm, I was glad that that happened when it did or the surgery happened when it did and you started the season that way. And similarly, thinking about the schedule, like I'm glad the team is going through the worst of it now. That way we get a full opportunity to see what they're really made of, whether that's from a positive perspective, they show us that they can handle and, and can beat these sorts of competitive teams or maybe worse, they don't show that. They show that they're not willing to do what, what what's necessary. They show that they're, they're, this team as a collective is not able to withstand this schedule and therefore you're able to pivot from that point of view as well. So I guess from all vantage points, all perspectives, I am kind of, I am, I am uh, quite thankful that we're going through it right now rather than tr- sort of experiencing it in March or April when you really can't do anything about it. And that's the thing that Billy and Damar and really all of the team has been sort of the mantra of their season is like, I would much rather get faced with this adver- adversity early in the season and and fight our way through it, try to figure it out as we go along and then be battle-tested and ready when the playoffs come along. Now, whether they actually get to the playoffs remains to be seen. Um, as you said, like they've had some bad losses here. It's been a tough stretch, but they've also shown that they can compete um, with some of the best teams. And it's kind of, kind of like a a inverse mirror image of last year in a lot of ways, just based on the fact that like they couldn't beat any good teams last year, but they really took care of business against the bad teams. And so you see all these things that sort of cancel each other out. But I do think it gives you the most amount of information early on in the season. Um, And then as you're talking about, like allows you to, to move forward knowing what all your options are. And I know Lonzo still isn't back and we, we don't really know what the, what the plan is there, but um, you know, for me, one of the things that I was appreciative of is early on in the season, Billy Donovan just saying like, we have to go into the season understanding that Lonzo may not be back. We cannot bank on him returning to play because even if he does come back, you know, he's coming off of this incredibly long drawn out recovery. He's had two surgeries on his knee. It takes a long time for these guys to get back into their full capacity. And so I think it's just another way that these guys are showing that they're, they're taking improvement seriously this year. And like I said, it may may not actually come to fruition the way that they want it, but I think the approach is right. And the process is right. And I think compared to uh, previous years, previous regimes, I think they kind of have a better understanding of who they are as a team. And when you are self-aware like that, I think you can make the right choices for your future. Definitely. And look, I, I would much rather this team, like I said, be facing this schedule now. But I, I, the positive here is the fact that they have shown some competitiveness against really good teams. Uh, we've seen them beat the Celtics twice. They've beaten the Heat. Now we can question how competitive the Heat are this season. But nonetheless, like the Bulls in years past haven't fared very kindly to the Heat. Uh, they've been competitive against the Sixers. I'm sure, they got blown out by the Cavs. But I, like even in one of those Pelicans games, the first Pelicans game, they were competitive in that game as well. So I think more generally, like they've shown up against this schedule that they can handle it. It's just been those really frustrating, annoying losses to maybe the the Spurs and the Magic. They're, they're the two that stand out most for most for me. Maybe the Wizards lost as well, but I don't know. It's just odd. Like we had those two games, the Magic and Spurs games, being a little bit different in terms of result. We we are looking at this season very differently, which is interesting to think about. But I I am glad that they're they're going through this schedule now rather than later, particularly after the trade deadline, because like even from a pure asset management perspective, like if for whatever reason the, this, the Bulls just for whatever reason capitulate on this uh, West Coast road trip that they're about to embark on, then let, let's say they go 0-5 from here on out. Like, and the, the record is just even worse than, than what it is. And, and maybe that continues to spiral down. But like, you've just got more time to assess where this team is going forward, I guess, from that point of view. So uh, I'm, I'm glad that this is happening now. But more generally, I, I guess... Another thing or another thing that I have been interested by and maybe something that's not get, getting spoken enough a little bit about and, and maybe we should be and what, and what I wanted to broach on the topic today, given that, you know, with, with we're, we're discussing things that we are thankful for. Like, I think the starters have actually done a pretty good job defending as a group. So 
as that five-man unit, they're, the, they're sixth in the league in terms of possessions. So they're one of the more heavily used lineups in the NBA. So that means that the data set that we have here isn't small. It is representative of what we've seen most of this season. And thus far, per cleaning the glass, the Bulls are only giving up 104.4 points per 100 possessions as that starting unit. So that is really good. Uh, obviously, the, the issue for the Bulls at the moment is on offense and that starting unit um, is just, uh, for whatever reason, just terrible on offense where they're only at 101 points per 100 possessions, which is, you know, would be so far and away the worst in the league. So obviously that's the issue at the moment, the offense. But I, I think by and large, I mean, we can extend this to the team more generally, but I think the offense, uh, sorry, the defense between those starting group, that's been encouraging for me. Like similarly with the, we, we talked about the schedule, like, okay, cool. They're working it out there. But it seems like they're getting it together on defense as well as the starting unit, which is obviously going to generally be your closing unit as well. So that, to me, is a positive. And it, it again, falls under this category of, like, what do you really make of this team? Because mm. so many of the things that they were really bad at last year, they're now showing that they can be good at, uh, like the defense, for example. Mm. And so many of the things that they were really good at last year, they haven't been able to replicate this year, like the clutch play, like, um, you know... Uh, a million different things. Um, So it's just, it's strange and you don't really know what to make of them. But I think in some way, some positive spin on it would be like, well, they have all of it in them, right? Like we've seen, you know, 20%, 20 plus percent of the season. Now they've been a top 10 defense. And last year that was something that they really struggled at, but they were pretty solid offensively. um, Certainly before Lonzo got injured, but uh, that was definitely something that they could hang their hat on. Uh, you know, same with the clutch play. They haven't necessarily been able to close out games this year, but we know that in the end of games, like there probably aren't too many players in the league who can hit a game winning shot or um, drag your team back to within striking distance with it. DeMar can. So if you put all that stuff together, you start to have sort of the identity of what looks like it could be a really good team. Um, and it's just a matter of like putting those things together at the same time and playing consistently with it, which we haven't seen yet. But again, to what we were talking about earlier, like you take some of the the positive from last season, you take some of the negative from last season, and then you build on it this year, you, you start to develop some of that into maybe a strength. And then, you know, you combine those things. Like we're talking about a team that could, when they really start to figure things out, look pretty solid. Exactly. And look, I mean, if the deep defense can maintain this level amongst the starters, if they can get their offense back to a reasonable level, then that five-man unit is good. It's effective. We can trust that five-man unit. And it just helps bolster the rest of the rotation. And another point in here that I wanted to discuss is the bench. Like, this has probably been one of the biggest storylines for this team thus far this season. Like, how effective this bench unit has been um, and you know, how, how amazing Dragic has been sort of leading that bench unit. So the five-man unit of Caruso, Dragic, Levine, Derek Jones Jr. and Andre Drummond, they're plus 44 in their minutes. Um, not That's a ton of sample, obviously, given that the, uh, the the bench unit has been rotating in um, in and out depending on the games. Obviously, when Levine sits, Caruso goes into that starting unit. So obviously, there's there's things um, uh, moving around in these numbers. But when that five five-man lineup of, of Caruso, Dragic, DJJ, Drummond, and Levine being in as the uh, the lone starter. That, t- that unit is killing teams. So if that unit, in addition to maybe the starters, can get things together, then that's why I do feel like there is a chance here that the Bulls can turn their season around and get back to where I think we think they can be, which is like a, a middle-of-the-road team in the Eastern Conference. So, yeah, I am thankful for this bench because had they not been playing the way they have for the first 15, 20-odd games of this season... I'd hate to think where the Bulls would be. I'd hate to think where they would be right now without Goran Dragic, which is extremely ironic given that I was a critic of that signing. But um, yeah, the, the the irony is that uh, this team would be in a, in a much worse position without Goran Dragic on the bench unit. And I think if you zoom out even further, like how many times over the years have we talked about the lack of depth really killing the Bulls because you, know, you have injuries and then you know Javante's got to play 28, 30 minutes a game instead of like 18 to 20, which is probably his sweet spot. Um, Caruso's got to play 28, 30 minutes a game instead of, you know, 22, which is his sweet spot. All of a sudden now you have 11 guys and Billy Donovan's playing, you know, 11 deep. Um, and that's a real asset. And if Lonzo is able to come back, you've got 12 capable players that can at any point be in, you know, uh, a rotation, whether it's, you know, important games in the regular season or, or even the playoffs 
where he's now able to mix and match a little bit and play to specialties the way that, you know, the Bulls just have not really been able to do in the past, certainly, you know, over the, the long stretch of rebuilding years, but depth hasn't really been a strength of theirs since like the bench mob in 2010, 11. So um, yeah, Dragic has been amazing. Drummond has been amazing. They've totally outplayed my expectations for them, but I think, just looking at it from a bigger picture of like this team has addressed an issue that has plagued them for years now is really a positive, uh, positive thing to see. Yeah. And the Caruso is starting to get it, get it together now as well. Like he's lost four, maybe five games, something like that. His offense has started to turn a little bit. He's not turning the ball over as much as he was. The defense is obviously he's made still threes. <laughs> he's made threes. Like he didn't exactly. make a three at all in the first like 13 games. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, he's slowly getting it together now as well. So, uh, you know, and as Zach so- starts to hopefully ramp up from here on out, as he starts to build, then obviously he's that key linchpin of that starting unit that sits with that second group. Once Zach starts getting back to what we know he can be as well, like there's just even more scope for this bench unit to be more deadly than they already are. So, um, yeah, they're, they're really good. I love what the bench are doing. It's just up to the starters now to hopefully start replicating that. But, um Obviously, Tom tell if that will happen. Uh, we've got plenty more other things that we are thankful for for this ball season um, because we're just very thankful people, more generally, William and I. And I'm sure the listeners are too. But first, Will, can I tell you about Shady Rays? Please do. Okay, cool. I'm glad you said please. Please. That's very good manners of you. Um, please and thank you. Well, because <laughs> I'm so thankful. Exactly. Shady Rays, they never understood why sunglasses were so so expensive so what did they do they took the initiative they set out to change it all now we the consumer don't have to break the bank for quality sunglasses this fall because our friends at shady rays have us covered uh, i don't know about you will because it's, i mean it's probably less of an issue for you guys entering winter but for me entering summer with that sun beaming down on me i need some new pair of, of uh, sunglasses here so i'm heading over to shady rays who give us all premium polarized Shades featuring world-class optical clarity, substantial durability, and styles catered to everyone and every lifestyle. Do you know what the best part about Shady Rays is, William? What's that? The most insane protection program in all of eyewear. I can the mad protection you. program. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if you've got lost or broken glasses, they will replace that. If you lose it, you break it, whatever it might be, even if you do that on day one. They have told us they will send you out a brand new pair, no questions asked. If you drop it in the lake, if you drop it off a cliff, if you step on it, anything, they will replace them. Even with that strong of a protection program, they still manage to make quality that I can tell you, holding it in my hand, it just seems just as good or as expensive. Name any top-of-the-line brand. It feels like that in your hands. It feels like that in your face. I love Shady Rays. And more importantly, Shady Rays customers seem to agree with over 200,000 five-star reviews. Shady Rays also provides 10 meals to fight hunger in America with every order placed and have donated over 20 million meals to date. So this is why we like this company. Not only do they make a great product itself, they're helping out our community as well. So exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is running their deepest deal of the season. Use promo code CHGO for 50% off Two or more pairs at ShadyRays.com. Buy one, get one free. You can get two pairs for as low as $54. You can redeem this offer only at ShadyRays.com where you can find all their newest and best shades. What a perfect gift as we enter into the Christmas period. And you're going to want to make sure you get your Shady Rays on because I'm about to tell you about Comet Lighting and they keep it bright, guys. So the Comet Energy Efficiency Program is committed to helping families and businesses in the communities that they serve save energy and lower bills now and into the future. Comet offers a wide array of incentives on lighting and other efficiency upgrades to commercial, industrial, and public se- sector customers of all sizes across their territory. Customers can inquire about how to upgrade outdated lighting to energy and money-saving efficient LED lights, Learn more about network lighting to operate their lights through mobile devices and track uh, facility energy usage and more. Incentives have recently increased for indoor-outdoor lighting 
and networked lighting controls, making these projects even more cost effective than before. So visit comment.com slash powering biz, B-I-Z, now to start saving money and energy. To start a project, contact them at 1-855-433-2700 for more information. You can also email businessee at comment.com or publicsectoree at comment.com. Very good, very good. Let's move on. Let's continue talking about things that we are thankful for for this bull season. And I mean, it would be remiss of us not to bring up DeMar DeRozan, wouldn't it? Surely. I mean, at some point we have to touch on it. And I wanted to, I guess like more generally, I wanted to talk about DeMar, but I've been, I don't know, I was just perusing some stats the other day. And yeah, just looking up isolation scorers, because obviously that's what what DeMar does best. He's one of the best isolation scorers in the league. We know that inherently. But in looking at the numbers, Will, I discovered that DDR is top 15 in frequency of possessions in isolation. So that tracks. We obviously know this dude likes to get in ISO. Not surprising. Not surprising at all. He's obviously one of the uh, one of the keen or most heaviest users of isolation position uh, possessions. But I did not know this. I did not necessarily expect this. But of those fifteen, he's he's actually first in points per possession. So he scores one point two seven points per possession in every isolation opportunity he gets. So that's more than Luca. It's more than KD. It's more than James Harden. Uh, Name whatever scorer you want. Uh, the, those type that those top ISO guys are not scoring with the same level of, of efficiency that Demar Derozan is. So, so let me let me ask you a quick question about that. Does that include like free throw attempts? Are are they lumped in there? Is it is assists lumped in there, or is he literally just shooting like sixty percent, sixty you know four percent from isolations? I don't know the answer to that, but I'm going to assume it's the most gorgeous version of that. So if it includes free throws, if it includes assists, I I'm just going to say yes, because <laughs> I don't know the answer, but it helps me propel this reasoning of DeMar DeRozan being super Because awesome, I mean, obviously regardless of how you, you slice it up, like that is, that's an incredible number. Because like, yeah, you know, ridiculous. a lot of times teams want to build their offense around isolation guys or heliocentric style of play where, you know, you give it to Luca and he's got 45% usage and he's making the decision on every trip down and he's either taking a step back or getting into the post or driving and getting the free throw line or finding an open shooter. Like Damar isn't really known for his ability to play make, but he he's good at it, of course. But like his his go-to is the mid-range jumper. And so for somebody to be that efficient, that wildly efficient on what is thought to be a very inefficient shot is just like, I mean, that's outrageous. That is, that is one of one unique, like exception to the rule caliber stuff. Yeah, completely. And, and you, you nailed it there. Like, I mean, so much of his isolation possessions are ending in a, in, in a mid range jumper, as we all know. And the, the crazy thing about this is he's shooting 54% on long twos, basically, which is, <laughs> it's insane. Like there's very there's few players. Like, there's probably like five guys in the league who can not necessarily shoot at that level, but like get away with taking a high volume of those shots because they shoot so well. And I'm sure Demar is better than all of them. Yeah, completely, completely. So yeah, I just obviously we had to to reference Demar at some point in this podcast because he continues to be amazing. Obviously, uh, if people haven't gone up onto our website and, and seen that amazing. Uh, Demar DeRozan t-shirt that we released uh, after the, when was it before the Celtics game? Whatever it was, earlier in this week. I mean, what are you doing if you're not getting your hands on that and setting that up for a a Christmas gift or something? Like, get your hands on Shady Rays, get your hands on that Demar DeRozan uh, t-shirt and you'll be looking just uh, a million bucks if you're walking around the streets of Chicago wearing that gear. But, I mean, yeah, Demar had to be on the podcast in some form and I just continue to marvel at the fact that he's this efficient. It it doesn't make sense to me, but... (laughs) He continues to do it, I guess. It, I want to. I want to actually. I want to spend some more time on him because I think there's a little bit more to unpack. Obviously, last season he was a top ten MVP candidate caliber player. Um, yeah. But like, even just looking at it from the perspective of going out and getting him in the first place, mm-hmm. uh, I mean that 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 move was just so wildly widely criticized by everybody in the national media. Um, 
you know, I think at the time I was like on board with it, but no way did I see it working out as well as it did. Uh, you know, the Bulls obviously gave up a pick to get him. They gave up Thaddeus Young for a guy that was a free agent who, you know, he, he even said like the only other offers that he was getting were like mid-level exception caliber money. I mean, that's like five to $10,000, depending if it's the full um, or taxpayer mid-level. And so, you know, it didn't really seem like the Bulls had a ton, you know, had a ton of leverage and that they were able to get him cheaply. Um, but they, they did it. And like, I just cannot believe how well that worked out. He has been obviously so good on the court, but what stands out to me most about him, just listening to him talk and getting the chance to like, see what his relationship is just in glimpses with some of the other players on the team. His leadership is insane. The way that he goes about his, um, his training and his uh, just his life. I mean, he's such a good role model for some of the younger guys on the team. And I really don't think he gets enough credit for like basically single-handedly flipping the perception of this franchise around uh, after they were just really in the gutter for like a half decade. So DeMar has been, I mean, just a really nobody could have expected it to go as well as it did, but in some ways I think he's even transcendent that. Yeah. I think that's a really good point and maybe something that we underappreciate, like in the moment as he's going off, maybe we, we, we come to realize what we're witnessing, but the fact that we haven't had this level of player in Chicago since Jimmy Butler, and maybe some people will disagree with that. And if that's the case, then since Derek Rose, like, I understand people are frustrated as to where this franchise is maybe more generally at the moment. The fact that they don't necessarily have a path to a championship, don't necessarily have a path to taking their way to, to Wembo Nyama. But ultimately what you are getting here is getting to witness one of the best basketball players in the NBA right now. And he's wearing a Bulls jersey. He has Bulls across the chest. And I mean... Thankful to not have to hear that anymore. <laughs> just more generally... Like it's just fun to watch one of these like one of these you know one of the best players in the NBA cook with your team's jersey on. Like we we kind of lose sight of that I think too often, which is annoying. But um, maybe you know when we're looking back on this era in five years' time, and and we're looking back on Demar Derozan's career in Chicago, maybe we'll, we'll be more reflective on it at that point. And I just wish we kind of were more so in the moment. But I mean, it is it is what it is. But nonetheless, I mean, I, I can't talk also... to about this. Go ahead. I was going to say it opens up like a different avenue to build. And I think that's something that like, you know, the, the media, I think people who just like are excited about the NBA in general fans. um, It's like either it's all or nothing, right? It's like, you're one of Mm -hmm. the top three teams trying to compete for a championship or you're all out tanking for the bottom. And I think what we saw with the Blazers last year, for example, is a path of, going building through the middle and they're, they're having a great start to their season. Obviously Dame missed a ton of time last year, but like to have sort of a franchise guy that you can count on and then to be able to sort of retool around him on the fly. I mean, that is certainly another path forward for the bulls that, that probably isn't available to them if they don't go out and get DeMar or if DeMar is there, but not playing at the level that he is, you know, this is not going to last forever. He's 32, 33 already. But, um, I mean, what you need in this league to be good is superstars, and the Bulls have one, um, yep. and they don't come around very often. So, you know, I, I always appreciate watching him play, but I think it just opens up the door for you to build this team different ways. And, and to it's, it's something that I need to continually remind myself of is that it's not just black and white. Like, there are multiple different ways that you can do this, and um, yeah, it, all, it all kind of works because of DeMar. Definitely, and and even and even if we wanted to be black and white about it, like you can't win the title every single year. You can't be in contention for the title every single year. Nor can you be, um, I mean, tanking your way or trying to rebuild every single year to the point where you get a, a level of player like Demar Derozan. So th- there's going to be years where you just can't have those grand things. But you've got to make the best of what you do have. And the fact that we are fortunate to be witnessing this level of Demar Derozan, like. I don't know. Like I said, it it does get lost sometimes, which is annoying, but hopefully people will ultimately value it at some point. 
like I hope they're valuing the Bulls' effort on defense this season. Like I don't think a lot of people realize that the Bulls are 12th in defense per cleaning the glass. I don't think they realize that this team right now is an elite defensive rebounding team. They're fifth in defensive rebounding percentage. They're fifth in terms of forcing opponent turnovers. So that is really encouraging. And they're doing that without Lonzo Ball. And that defense is enabling this team to be 14th in transition frequency, which is uh, something that I really value because they were were aspects of this team that I thought we were going to, or I assumed would fall off, particularly without Lonzo. I think a lot of people did that this team wouldn't be able to get on in, into fast breaks, that this team's defense would just comp- completely capitulate, that they didn't have enough rebounding, um, all these sorts of things. Like, there were a lot of the talking points at the end of last season and into this offseason. But the fact that this team has been a an above-average defense or a good-to-above-average defense, um, I think they, just, they, they deserve credit for that. And it, it, I spoke similarly to it. I guess it's connected to what we mentioned before with the starters, that the, the starting five hasn't been... They've been deplorable on offense, but have been pretty good on defense. And like this just speaks more to this larger point, I guess, that this team more generally has been a good solid defense. And I didn't necessarily expect it. So in that sense, I am thankful that we are now receiving it. I think it also speaks to the growth of a guy like Io. Um, we, we've been critical of Patrick's defense over the past however long he's been in the league, but I think he's shown some signs of improvement over the last handful of games. Uh so I think, you know, I've been very skeptical, shall we say, of the idea of continuity. But I think this is an area where you can kind of point to it and say, you, you see the communication is working at a little bit higher level. And that's allowing them to get stops. Um, they, they are hardly allowing uh, corner threes right now. I think they're, last time I checked, they're like top 10 in the league in opponent corner three volume. Um and that speaks to really good rotations and basically removing one of the more valuable shots that teams want to take. Um, the game against the Celtics, they allowed 53s, which is an insane number, but they, I think they only allowed the Celtics to score at like 50% of the rim. So their rim protection has not been great, but it's like all these little things that accumulate over the course of a season and now over the course of a season plus where you start to develop a little bit more chemistry um, and you start to play a little better, trust each other a little bit more, all of a sudden you've got the ability for guys like Caruso and Javante to just like kind of play free safety and get deflections and run out and get transition dunks. Um, you know, you have Io getting over screens and blocking Jalen Brown from behind. And it's just, yeah, I mean, there there is, I think, potential here. I don't think they're going to be a top 10 defense all year long, and I think they've they're flawed for sure. But like mm-hmm. Vooch has been much better at the point of attack, uh, mm-hmm. getting to the level of the screen. Um, all these guys that I've just been mentioning, like they're all playing at a higher level. Even Zach and Damar have shown at times that they can be a little bit more interested and um, effective, especially off ball. Like they're never going to be great, but it's like, can you build an infrastructure around these guys that allows you to be good enough? Because, you know, you've got three star players, none of whom are known for their defense. Like, can you build something? around them that really works and it seems like they're trending that way i'm not i'm not saying that they're going to be an elite defense but i mean they just need to be capable and hopefully that offense comes around yeah definitely completely agree uh so yeah i am i mean pleasantly surprised on how things have have, uh, transpired on defense obviously they still have moments of slippage um as most teams who are sitting 12th in defense would obviously we're not expecting 100% 100% of the time, clean, crisp rotations, particularly when you have DeMar and Zach in your starting unit. But like, if this team can maintain being 12th, 13th, 14th on defense whilst pushing their offense from 20th, which is currently where they sit at the moment, up towards you know the same sort of range, 12, 13, 14. Like if you've got a team that is just on the precipice of a top 10 rating in both offense and defense, like that's a good team. And slowly but surely, I think the Bulls can do that. So let's see what happens on the offensive side of things. Um, Billy Donovan needs to get that side of the ball get going and uh, we'll see if that actually happens but I I am still thankful William of Billy Donovan I know maybe I'm in the minority now given um, the the just a general the general tenor of this fan base and 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 what they think of Billy and his coaching and those sorts of things but uh, I mean I, I just still rate him as a coach I don't think he's a great coach I think he's a perfectly fine and good coach and I'm just glad that this team has that level of coach right now is he going to lead this team to a title? No. 
Is he that type of coach? Probably not. Is he that type of stepping stone coach that can help you sort of bridge that gap where you've gone from two of the worst coaches maybe the league has seen in a while to having some level of respectability now? Like, I, that's why I value Billy Donovan. And it's the same conversation with DeMar. Like, DeMar isn't the best player in the NBA. He might be the 15th best player in the NBA. But having the fifth, 15th best player in the NBA is, is better than having the, the 25th or 30th best player in the NBA. Obviously, players is a little bit different to coaching, but I most certainly would not rather have the 15th best coach in the NBA than the worst, like we've had in the past. So, again, I think that this fan base maybe lose sight of that at times, but we talked about the defense. We've talked about how this team has sort of done their their best to sort of get around the Lonzo loss for the moment. And I think Billy and his staff deserves a lot of credit for that, as, as the players do. So shout-outs to Billy, I guess. And that's no surprise that I would be the one saying this, but um, given that that's, this is a, a point that I've been tooting all all, all, all season. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know how you feel about Billy and, and, and his coaching. I'm sure you're, you're thankful to be... Uh, be in those media scrums and having actually be having a, a logical basketball conversation with the coach rather than maybe what has been um, made available previously. Yeah, I think Billy, I, I mean, just on, like, I don't know him well personally at all, but just like yeah. getting to work with him a little bit and asking him questions and getting real answers has been really great. Like you can ask him, you know, basketball stuff and he, he understands that you're asking from a place of like, I want to learn about this stuff and I want to try to relay this information in my writing. Um, so he, I mean, he's just like, he's a professional in every sense. Um, I'm, I don't think we've spoken since the, uh, fourth quarter benching of Zach Levine and and the whole management of that. Um, but I thought that was a really interesting time just from the like Billy Donovan criticism perspective, Mm. just because like people Mm -hmm. are saying that he's like lost control of the team that he, you know, all this stuff that I just generally don't agree with. Um, but I just thought that was like a really powerful statement from him, whether he meant it that way or not to say like, look, my, this is not like, you know, he has this reputation of being like a player's coach and not letting, you know, not telling guys what to do, just letting them be themselves, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, But to just basically put your foot down and say like, I need to do whatever it takes to win this game and put my team in the best position to win. I thought it was a, was like an interesting move. I'm not sure you know, what the fallout necessarily will be. I mean, it seems like there was kind of just like a agree to disagree between between Zach and Billy after uh, after the game. But I'm curious to hear your thoughts about just like that whole saga. Yeah, I think it's a really good point. And look, one of the biggest critiques against Billy is the fact that he's not demonstrative on the, on the sidelines, that he's not walking around yelling at guys. He's not getting up in their faces. You know, he's not that outward coach from that perspective. I don't think you need to be that. And I would point to this as an example of that. Um, he sent a very, very clear message to anyone who was watching, including Zach Levine, that that level of performance ain't the standard. You ain't, you ain't bringing it at that level. So I don't know if you need to be yelling and ranting to be seen to be coaching uh, as, as this move uh, you know, was evidence of. I really liked it. Like Zach didn't deserve to be out there. I know some people have said, well, maybe he should have inserted him again at the end of the game to shoot, shoot free throws. But I think that diminishes the point that he's trying to raise or the point that he's trying to make by just taking Zach out of that game. That, you know, to, to send that message that you need to value being in the game. And if you don't, then you're going to sit. So I certainly agree that there are potentials for this to, you know, there are potential future repercussions from it, um, depending on how Zach reacts to it, how Billy sort of enforces this going forward, if he does at all. But the fact that he did this in spite of people, or he did this when people suggest like, this is something that maybe he would never ever do, or at least a coach like Billy wouldn't do. Um, I thought it was very interesting, very telling. And the fact that he called out his starters beforehand, um, yeah, I'm maybe called out is a bit too strong because he did it as, as the most humble and mild-mannered way he possibly could. But, the fact that he was outward there and, and, and challenged the guys. like he, He's generally always going to protect his players. And that's, again, another thing that I like about Billy. But on this occasion, he put it to them. Damar and Vooch took it well. Zach ne- didn't necessarily do that. But it's on Zach now to respond. So uh, I liked it. I thought it was great. Um, and I thought Zach... I thought it also, it also showed a willingness to try new stuff that, uh-huh. yep. you know, whether you know it was something that he would just never do early on in his career or 
trying different ways to motivate people on this team. But like the, yeah, I just, I, I thought that was a really, you know, when that happened pregame before the magic, I was like, Oh my God, we got, we got the story of the year here. Billy's like calling out his stars, but like, you know, and then obviously like it went even further South in the fourth quarter, but like, um, yeah, for, for him to basically address the question of like, what can you change in the starting lineup to try to like get things going here? You guys are really struggling offensively um, to, to score. Can you get Dragic in there? Maybe, maybe Javante comes in for Patrick. Like, what do you do in the starting lineup? And he's just like, I don't think those either of those things really address the issue. The The issue is the best three players in the team are not playing great. Like, what can we do to get those guys going? Those guys need to play better. Like, that's it's as simple as that. And, um, yeah, I mean, he, he's kind of done similar things last year. He called out Vooch for, you know, not necessarily being at the level of screen. And he's not coming up to the podium and saying, like, you know, Vooch isn't doing this. Everybody go point their finger at Vooch and shame him. He's just yeah. saying, like, we're not doing this well, and, and Vooch needs to do his part of it better. Same mm-hmm. thing with, like, the, the chicken parm with Patrick. Like, he's not out there, like, saying Patrick's, like – you know, not a professional. He just like, doesn't know what he's doing. He's a child. He's saying like, this, this is kind of where we are. And this is like the progress that we've made. And um, yeah, I just, I think that's for, for a guy that has this reputation of always protecting his players, always allowing them to be themselves and, and really like catering to the stars, especially for him to have those moments. And then again, in terms of DeMar's leadership for him to, after the game say, yeah, Billy was totally right. We do need to play better. Like that's, yeah. that's not that complicated. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that the bulls are not in a situation where they are just absolutely crumbling. Like some other teams, like the nets, for example, where like Mm -hmm. this, this sort of drama, they can, they can absorb it. They can withstand it because they've got that infrastructure in place. And I think that starts with Billy and Damar is absolutely an extension of that. Definitely. Definitely. Um, that's a really good point. I was actually really happy to see or hear Damar say that. Um, the fact that especially he when Zach like was that. like so hot about it, like yeah, exactly. to just have that voice of reason, sort of the intermediary, just saying like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, exactly. And if anything, it just it gives more perspective, hopefully for Zach, that he's literally the only one, maybe at that point, uh, carrying an umbrage. And I, you know, obviously he would because he's biased in that situation. But if everyone else around you, the coach, your players your teammates, that they're, they're, they're saying the same thing as the coach, then it just carries more weight. But uh, another thing that I hadn't written on the rundown, but you sort of touched on it, like, I'm just thankful that we're watching a bunch of dudes here that are more generally really good guys. Um, there's no drama. There's no bullshit. We don't have any player on this roster, you know, pimping things out on Twitter or on Instagram that are, that are hateful or bad. We don't have anyone sort of spewing nonsense in the media. We don't have any discontent between player and coach like we talked about Zach and Billy but like they seemingly are on the same page again like it just feels like we're, it's just a bunch of professionals good good guys easy guys to root for like I was so happy watching this team what was it was it the Io dunk yesterday where Caruso had that steal or against the Celtics where uh yeah, I, yeah Caruso had that steal Io had that dunk and then the, the broadcast pans to Dale and Terry on the sidelines acting like a complete goofball like I like this team I like every player on this team there is no idiot on this team and I think again that's an underrated element of this team so uh, I'm glad you mentioned that and, and that spurred a moment but more generally William like stepping away from the Bulls a little bit and maybe this is Bulls adjacent um, I'm just really thankful for everyone that's tuning in whether it's listeners whether it's readers of your stuff um, I'm thankful that you and I continue to get this opportunity to podcast. I, I love the fact that we've brought on Matt and Dave and we've formed this thing at CHGO, the fact that we're part of CHGO. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll get getting sentimental a little bit here, but if the listeners will allow me, but I, I, yeah, I'm just thankful for what, for what this opportunity is for us. So um, again, Bulls adjacent, maybe not necessarily completely uh, linked to the Chicago Bulls, but uh, I just want to say, William, I'm very thankful for you. You too, man. It's been quite a ride, quite a ride for us. Uh, just going all the way back, I'm sure not all of our listeners now will recall the uh, the old days, but yeah, I mean, anybody who who knows me or has followed my work for any period of time knows that this is like, you know, just everything that I've been working for for years and years to be able to, you know 
go to these games and ask questions and watch Bulls games from the stands every single home game and write stuff and post memes and this podcast with you and Matt and Dave has been just awesome. So uh, I think all of that to say, like none of none of any of that happens without people tuning in and reading and clicking. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. it's it's all because of the folks that are listening. So we we all really appreciate you all. Definitely, definitely appreciate the support. And if you wanted to continue supporting us here at CHGO, obviously we do appreciate it. But you can help by following our friends at Pins and Aces, who are the official golf apparel partner of CHGO. We love our Pins and Aces gear and get tons, I mean absolutely tons of compliments on and off the course for wearing our Pins and Aces gear. They are a family-owned golf and apparel business. They also have just a plethora, amazing an amount of polos, hats, golf bags, and even probably more importantly, to be honest with you, our favorite beer sleeve, which is a product that allows you to store up to seven beers right inside your golf bag and keep drinks cold the entire round. What product? So if you are interested in that beer sleeve, some polos, hats, golf bags, whatever it may be, Pins and Aces have you covered. Check out pinsandaces.com. Use promo code CHGO to receive 15% off your first order and get free shipping. That's pinsandaces.com, CHGO as a promo code. Again, like Shady Rays, perfect for Christmas coming up. That is a great, actually, gift idea that I hadn't even thought of, but um, I'll be hitting up that link after we're done recording. But I also wanted to tell you guys about another place that I go quite frequently to make all my NBA bets, DraftKings. We are very excited to have them as a sponsor. And as the NBA season heats up, there are still so many unknown storylines, whether it's, you know, futures or day-to-day, what's going to happen with the Bulls next game. So whenever I'm looking to get in on the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official partner of sports betting for the NBA. New customers can bet $5 pregame money line on any NBA team to win and get $150 in free bets if they win. So check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to 100% boost on DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, and anything else you can think of. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, and the bigger your shot to win big. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now using code CHGO. Place a $5 pregame money line bet on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code CHGO only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Perfect. Well, uh, can you also tell the listeners who I'm sure most of them are already members of CHGO, but if they're not, how can they be? Yeah, we already kind of waxed poetic about uh, how much we appreciate you guys. So I'll, I'll save you from you know hearing that twice. But basically, we launched this new diehard program, and you know, basically a big part of it is like we wanted to remove the paywall from my articles, from Nick Moriano and Vinny, and you know all all of these great writers that we have covering all your favorite teams. We wanted to make their work more available, but to in order to do that, we also had to sort of um, make the make give you guys a reason to subscribe and become members. We created this diehard program, and basically, you're going to continue to get all of the same great content that you're already getting, but there will also be uh, perks like um, discounted T-shirts. We mentioned the Demar shirt; you have to go get that. It's awesome art design. Um, discounts to events that we host, whether it's um, the tailgates for bears games, or we're going to be doing takeovers where we have, you know, packages where people can buy tickets to go hang out with our group at a bar. And then we'll bus you over to the United center and everybody can watch a game together. So really cool. um, Just all inclusive experience that we're trying to offer you guys. That makes us, I think a little bit different than some of the other media teams around the city. So We'd be very excited if you wanted to join and you can go to allchgo.com to find out more. Perfect. Yeah. And look, I, I'm hopeful that we can do one of those things when I get over 
um, irrespective. I think we I think we should build a takeover around your presence. That would be my dream. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's hit the drawing board on that, and maybe we can talk about that offline. But uh, that would certainly be cool. Uh, I mean, that's another thing I'm thankful for, like the fact that I'm getting over to America in in March, uh, which is literally three four months away. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. But let's finish off this podcast. Uh, look, we're focused on on obviously this season thus far, things that we're enjoying, things that we're loving from the Bulls this season. But I think we can maybe end it more broadly. And we had the idea to maybe, oh, I mean, to be fair, you had this idea, so you, you deserve credit or maybe blame for, for this topic. We'll see how it unfolds. But we wanted to create our all-thankful starting five, which is, I guess, another way to say, just build our favorite five man lineup of all. Just like it's an our guys thing. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I think this is a good idea. And I, we often talk about this in, in, we talk around this, like inherently we all have our favorite players and we all inherently think about like what would have happened if we could have put our five favorite players on the court at the same time, particularly if they're across different eras. Um, And the, the good thing about this is like, it's, it's so subjective. Like, there is no right answer to this. There's no wrong answer to this. It's just purely your guys, what you like about basketball, who fits that bill, who have you, who have been your favorite balls of all time. And that's effectively what we're asking. Um, so maybe you can start, Will. You're all thankful, starting five. Well, you're putting me on the spot here because I came up with this idea, like, literally right before we started <laughs> recording. I'm not sure if I have five. The reason I, I brought this up is because I've got I was thinking – You've got, I can't eight. Pick right, I've, let's, I've got eight straight off the top of my head. I can't put them into a five. That's my problem. You can't even think of five. I mean, I could, but I, what I wanted out of this was to not pick like Derek Rose, Michael Jordan, Scotty Pippen, Joakim Noah, and Dennis yeah. Rodman. You know, like I, I didn't want it to be like that. What I was thinking is more like, okay, does Mark like Javante Green now more than he liked David Nawaba? <laughs> and if so, is he, is he ascending towards Kirk Heinrich levels? I'm not sure. So I, I kind of wanted to just get your... That that's kind of the caliber of player I'm looking for. Uh, yeah. So I, I I want to start there, and then I'll see if I can uh, chime in on yours. Well, I think this is the amusing part for me. Like, I've always loved role players more than stars. So, like, my answer to this will never be stars. It'll never be Derrick Rose starting at point guard. It will never be Michael Jordan starting at shooting guard. And again, not to say that's wrong, because if you have Derrick Rose and Michael Jordan in your backcourt, because you're 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 thankful that you got to witness those dudes it, uh, put on a Bulls uniform, that like, that's not the wrong answer either. But for me, I've just always gravitated to to role guys, or maybe not the you know Hall of Fame level guys. So maybe I'll start at center because this is the easiest one for me because there's less contention. Um, so Joakim Noah is that is that center for me? As he I was probably really, for many people. really prepared for you to say Omer Sheik. <laughs> <laughs> no i mean not. okay if i i think if you put a gun to my head joking would be the first player that i named yeah um i also think like that is everybody just loved joking so much like matt matt uh kind of you know he's he's obviously the big joking guy but like i think he speaks for all bull fan, bulls fans in the yeah. way that he talks about him like it's just so true mm-hmm. that he just and that's why, like, Javante, I think, has been so great this year and last year of just, like, being that guy that the city really connects to, that one role guy that that kind of holds it all together. I just – I think he really, you know, was sort of, like, the the role player that really actually was a star player at mm-hmm. the same time. Yeah. Um, and I think he just – he sort of reflects that position better than anybody else. So I'm, I'm 100% with you there. Yeah, and look, similarly to, to Joe Keem, like I have to have Taj Gibson starting next to him because I absolutely loved Taj. And the fact that the Bulls had Taj and Noah like at a very important time in my life in terms of a Bulls fan growing growing into the uh, the complete psychopath that I am from a Bulls perspective, like those two guys were super important to me. And I... Yeah, I just always wanted good things for them as a front court. I, I don't know if they could survive as a front court now. Now in this this current iteration of the NBA, but back in 2010 in that era, like I just loved watching their defense and what they could do in pick and roll as defenders. So I absolutely love Taj. Um, just just seems like the greatest dude in the world as well. So uh, I'm thankful that I got to see him. Um, and similarly, you know, continuing that 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 thinking like. 
Jimmy Butler has to be on my list. Um, maybe less so the Jimmy the Star. Like, obviously, I'm, I won't say uh, no to, to Jimmy the Star, but like, and this is a thing I can never get past. And I've never been a, a championship or bus type person because some of my favorite Bulls moments involves Jimmy, Taj, and Noah on teams that had no chance of winning a title. But I absolutely still think about, you know, the team from 2013 or the team from 2014 to the team from 2015, like the one that almost came close to beating LeBron. Like those teams mean a lot to me and they never really had a chance to win a title, seemingly like this current Bulls team. But that doesn't mean you can't derive value from those teams and and, and, and byproduct of that, those players. So Jimmy, Taj, Noah, no surprises there on my starting five. You mentioned Heinrich. He's definitely on mine as my point guard. Um, so that were easy locks for me. And then it just came down like to who I wanted my small forward to be. Was it going to be David Nwaba, <laughs> who I absolutely adore? Who is, your has starting, <laughs> who, who is your starting small forward and why is it David Nwaba? <laughs> it would have been David Nwaba. I wonder well, if I David Nwaba knows that he has like captured the heart of an Australian <laughs> Bulls fan. Well, look, I mean... You, the the way I'm my, sure that's my, just not on his radar at all. <laughs> I hope not. I'm hope I'm hoping he's got better things going on for himself that he's not aware of this. But um, I just love role guys who play hard, who play defense, who get after it. So David Marble was someone who had captured my heart and would have otherwise started a small forward here. But I think I have to go with Javante Green just because he has more of a body of work now with the Bulls. So. If we could, I would have David Nwaba coming off the bench with Alex Caruso. But um, I think I, I need to see Javante out there with Jimmy Butler and, and Kirk Heinrich and, and Joe Kim and Taj. What a defensive unit. Like, Yeah, that, that team is not <laughs> not giving up many points and they're also not scoring many points. It would be ugly and disgusting, but at the same time, it would be beautiful. Um, so that's what I love about my all-thankful starting five. I mean, you've got Joe Kim, but who are your other four? Jimmy's definitely in there. I would yeah. say... Uh, yeah, I mean, Derek, Derek is like my favorite athlete of all time. So it's hard to leave him out. Um, I don't know. I also like, this is kind of weird, but like Lonzo is really the only bull on the team now that I haven't covered. Like he's not been around since I've been on the beat. And so Mm -hmm. there's still like a little bit of distance there where like Mm -hmm. the bulls were playing at a super high level with him. And he was my favorite player to watch when they were at that level. Um, so yeah, I, I'm a big fan of, of the way that Lonzo plays. He might be in there, Jimmy for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's a pretty good, good group. What yeah, am I, I missing? Power forward? Uh, you, you said Joe Kim, you said Jimmy, you said Derek, and you said Lonzo. So yeah, power forward of sorts. I don't know. We'll play small. <laughs> small Just throw another four guys out there or <laughs> throw another, uh, throw another Luol Deng out there. Yeah, fair enough. That's a good. That's a good selection too. I can't argue with that one. But this uh, was fun. And then like, some, some, uh, some, some holdouts for you. It's got to be Miritich, not yeah. being in there. That was a surprise. Who else? I, I mentioned eight guys. Like I, I named my five. David Rob is on my bench. Miritich is on my bench, and uh, Caruso is on my bench as well. Caruso. Yeah, they're, okay. They're my. Yeah. I'm probably my top eight off the top of my dome, but um, I'm sure I could find a few others to add in there. To be honest with you. Um, I don't know if I put Mike Dunleavy on the list, but I, I really loved Mike Dunleavy for whatever reason. I just love it. I just really enjoyed Mike Dunleavy. That that when he took that hit in the face and came back, like after bleeding and came back and played, I think it was against the Houston Rockets and started drilling shots. Like he, uh, I was a fan for life at that point. But uh, shout out to Mike Dunleavy. Um, who was your favorite? Who was your favorite of the um, waiting for Derrick Rose to get back? Small starting point guards. I loved DJ Augustine. I understand Augustine why people had. I understand why people love Nate Robinson, um, and he. I, I actually, the funny thing is, I loathe the idea of bringing Nate Robinson, but I grew to love him as everyone else did. But I just loved the way DJ Augustine run pick and roll with Joe Kim Noah. That was um, he was probably my favorite to be honest with you. Like having DJ Augustine in there with Kirk, um, like again, like th- th- those twenty fourteen teams. I love that team. That team Terrible. was so good. They're bad on offense. Marco so Bellinelli. Uh, yeah, I've never told this. I've never told you the story, but I had uh, my first opportunity to get a scoop was 
I was flying home from Seattle for some reason. My family was there yeah. and we we're flying back to Chicago and Nate Robinson was on our plane. And so I went up to him and I was like, are you signing with the bulls? And he told me that he was, but I was like, this is like pre Twitter. I didn't know anything about it, but that was, that was cool. I was like, I have to be a reporter after that. I was probably, yeah. uh, I don't know. What year was that? Like 2012. So 2013. It was, no, it was 2012, 13. Yeah. 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 Like so 10 years ago, pretty much. Probably 20. Jeez. We're old now. eh? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm that'll do it, folks. We'll, we'll talk to you next thing. <laughs> I'm not thankful of uh, the aging process. That's for sure. But I am thankful of you, Mr. Gottlieb. Thank you for joining me on this episode of CHGO Balls. If you want to send in your your thankful starting fives to Will and I, you can do so on Twitter at Will underscore Gottlieb on that MK Hoops. If you just want to send you know other things that you're thankful of this ball season, then um you know we'd love to converse more with you online. So hit us up on on Twitter. Obviously follow Will's writing. He'll have you covered for everything Bulls related from that point of view. I'm on here yammering about the Bulls every now and then as well. So if you're loving what we're doing at CHGO, support us as we noted before. Join us as per the membership. Uh, support us via our sponsors, all that good stuff. But more, more, more importantly, we just uh, appreciate everyone for tuning in and just supporting CHDO and what we do here. So thank you for tuning in. Will, Dave, Matt, you guys will be back latest night for Bulls at OKC. The Bulls start their five-game West Coast road trip as of tonight. It's going to be very interesting to see how this unfolds. I'm hoping things go well for the Bulls, but obviously time will tell. But, uh, well, thank you for joining me. Bulls fans, speak soon. Thank you.